0: Welcome to the Whiskey Stories Podcast. It's just three blokes who enjoy a dram.
1: Well, my my parents were good. I, I had one set of keys. I had one set of keys, my parents had the other set of keys. Inverness I bought, and your mum's I'd driven up from Stirling to Inverness. Bottles of grouse rattling see, around in the see. boot.
2: Having a conversation like this, it's a couple of pals sharing a few drams. A couple of pals sh- sharing a few drams can go a long way.
0: Welcome along to the Whiskey Stories podcast with myself, Graeme Cogar, for the very first episode, and I'm joined with my oldest and bestest pal, Angus, a whiskey fan. Angus, we're in a tiny little room, packed into the famous Diggers Pub Athletic Arms in Edinburgh, where between the bar and the toilets right now, the salubrious location that we found ourselves in so if you do hear hand dryers going off halfway through this episode it's not you it's us how are you angus i'm very
1: well thank you graham yeah this is a lovely setting and a great place to be um absolutely fantastic place to kick off the podcast yeah, it certainly is. I mean, the, the Diggers pub
0: is famous around Edinburgh and wider areas for, for its whisky selection. We're tapping Absolutely. into some of these already, but we're not doing it alone. That's uh, probably the most sober I've ever been whilst I've been in your company. We've got Ross Barr or whiskey underscore Ross on ins- Instagram. Ross, how are you?
2: Very well indeed. Happy to be here. This is my favourite pub in Scotland, by the way. It's not just a whisky pub, but with Kev, the owner here and the atmosphere they've got in here. I'm not a Hearts man. It's a big Hearts pub, but it's a fantastic whiskey pub. I think just around about seven hundred malt whiskies in here now, which is, I think, is the largest selection in Edinburgh, certainly.
0: Wow. Well, there you go, and we're tapping into a few already. We've got, a, we've got some half pints, and we've also got a couple of drams in front of us, and uh, it's a Grant's twenty-five. right
2: we're all on an old Grant's twenty-five, which again, Kev's got for a Great price, quarter gills in here as well, thirty five mls. Then you know you're in a proper pub. <laughs> uh, it's quite dusty in the nose. It's quite an interesting dram, but it's something that we can all like. And blended whiskey, at the end of the day, is the reason you, we can all be into whiskey. We can all talk about malt whiskey, but the reason your dad drank whiskey, the reason your grandmother drank whiskey, was because of blended whiskey. So it's amazing to be here and try something. I'm twenty four year old. That's twenty five. There so, you go. <laughs> <laughs> as ridiculous as that is, you know it's right. how, how good how good's that to celebrate. But not really happy to join you.
0: Well, we were kind of talking earlier on, I guess, about what is this podcast going to be? Uh, how are we going to do it? What's the sort of setting going to be? And I think it's just going to be anybody
1: who's willing to talk about whiskey sit having a chat and right now it's just three blokes who enjoy a dram. Absolutely and I was going to say as well uh, Graham I've got the Grants 25 like you said I've also got the Benro Mac 10 so yes. if you add those together and take off a year I'm a year younger than that as well. <laughs> <laughs> well played, well played. Ross, oh but, so You'll need another,
0: a
3: couple uh, of 25 year Graham won't you? <laughs> <now>? <laughs> know, like, the
0: joys of uh, not having a camera in here Yeah, but look it's it is. It's just going to be a, us having a chat about whiskey there'll be some people who probably see this and go oh god another whiskey podcast what's that going to be we're not sitting here to we, we will all be geeky at times sometimes everybody enjoys getting their geek on i think uh, with yourself ross you're uh, you're the you're the whiskey expert in the room this afternoon and this it's evening funny,
2: you're very generous the one thing i would say that i always say to everybody is you can never be a whiskey expert i'm certainly well experienced I, i'm really lucky that i've spent my entire working life in whiskey yeah and by the way the hell a smile that gives you. <laughs> it's one of those things, that I, I'm really lucky. I started my, my career at the whiskey shop when I was 18 years old. I, didn't, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, my father worked, my, my father re- took another retirement and worked in whiskey very briefly when I was 16, 17 year old. I never really understood it so much. Um, and so it was my intention to go and do what my parents done. I was applying to universities and I took a wee three month job in the whiskey shop and um, that turned into a year yeah. at 18 years old. And that yeah, just goes to show, you know, and I knew nothing. I thought I knew everything because I thought, well, Balvinie's got a 12, 14, 17, 21. <laughs> I know everything. And I knew absolutely nothing. Um, but that was the best part about the whiskey industry. I was welcomed by all parts of the industry. I was able to try really interesting things and talk about it. Um, and it just kind of blossomed from there. It's one of those things that was a guy, Darren Leach, who's still with a whiskey shop and has been for a long time. He just said, Any questions you've got, I'll give you the time. And you can't, you know, I was a sponge at that time. You can't ask for anything better than that to get into the industry.
0: Absolutely. I mean, when you hear about that, Angus, you know, all we are is uh, we're football fans and we're whiskey fans. <laughs> and if we're in the pub, if we're not talking about football, we're talking about whiskey. And we just thought, well, you know what? Why not we stick a couple of mics in front of us and see where it gets us? Absolutely. And that's yeah. it. And, you know, I think, Ross, we are crossed, path, our, our paths crossed, I should say. I've only had a sip of whiskey. Um, <laughs> At the Scotch Bar in Balmoral, where yeah. you where you worked there. Yeah, so uh, that
2: that was my second my second role. It was amazing. it's quite a fun story to tell, and I'll not lecture on too much. But I was commuting into the city every single day to go to this whiskey shop, and um, I don't know who I thought I was as an eight, eighteen year old. I was really well dressed, and I thought, do you know what? My bus stops across from the Balmoral Hotel. I'll go in for a whiskey. And so I think I cringe thinking about it now, but I went into the Balmoral Hotels, an 18-year-old, sat up at the bar and harassed the guys behind the bar. What's this? What's that? What should I have? All the rest of it. And after a few months of that, there's a guy, Cameron, you know, the cam Cameron, very well. yeah. cam, very, Cameron um, the Scotch Cam, so well-known in the industry, pretty much my father figure in whiskey. He messaged me one day, I didn't know him before this, and said, Ross, I've got a job coming up and you're applying for it. Really? That's how the job at Scotch came along. Wow. And, and and so I ended up doing over three years combined at Scotch as a whiskey ambassador and, you know, worked in LA with the Balmoral, worked in Belgium, done private tastings for an amazing uh, variety of clientele. But that all came from me being interested and again another person giving me a chance. Yeah. I didn't deserve that opportunity. It's not one of these things that you know, I will. never be a whiskey expert, but you make your own luck. You speak to the right people. You treat everybody the same, and whiskey's been good to me in that sense.
0: Yeah, I mean the whiskey industry. You know, it's it's a big industry, but it's actually fairly small in, in Scotland as well. When you when you suddenly come across certain individuals and meet people and you speak to people, you suddenly realise that everybody kens each other. If you know what I mean, it's 100%. a small village in that sense. Yeah. So. You know, being in that industry straight away gets your name recognised, gets you out there and, and you just move on your career over and over through through the different areas.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I, I basically carried Cameron's bags for the first year. But seeing doing that, I met more people, made more connections. Yeah. And, and again, he gave me that time to learn and, and to speak to new people. And it gave me an opportunity that, you know, going through COVID and stuff was difficult. I left the Balmoral, but and then I got a job at Glen Kinchy. Right. Uh, basically, it was again that was all through connections working in a distillery. I never would have worked in a distillery. No. The pandemic was a brilliant thing for me, kind of yeah, bizarre, yeah, <laughs> bizarrely. Of that I worked in a distillery that was close to the public, so not only did I not have to do much work, but I worked in a historic, you know, farm distillery that was local to my parents as well. So I've been really lucky in that sense, and I think that's what having a conversation like this, it's a couple of pals sharing a few drams. A couple of hours, sh- share a few drams, can go a long way.
0: Absolutely, and who knows where it's going to take us? But when you mention about where the opportunities come in, you here. You are the first guest on the whiskey
1: Stories well, yeah, like podcast. I, so I, that. I you what, that. You're <laughs> going places, sir. <son. laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, yourself. You know, Yeah, yeah.
0: You, you know. 18 years old. Ross is working in a whiskey shop and stuff like that. At 18, we were drinking whiskey and going like, but I was getting us pissed. Yeah, Ooh, yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> absolutely. So I mean, you, you carry on. Sorry. Well, we, we,
0: what was your yeah sort of introduction into
1: scotch whiskey uh, absolutely so my introduction to scotch whiskey probably like many people's was uh the collection of bottles my dad had so my dad um not a big whiskey drinker by any means he's 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 not you know but he he, he frequently was given bottles by various clients so he actually always had a very interesting selection at any point of myself growing up and you know, I think once I kind of hit eighteen, I would occasionally get given the odd dram yeah. on a on a lucky <laughs> evening <laughs> on a Friday night. Occasionally, we uh, make sure to put enough water in it though to yeah. dilute it down. Um, and 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 that really was probably my introduction into whiskey. Uh, but actually, there wasn't really much of an interest there. Um, you know, my friends at university were. Would 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 buy two bottles of white and Mackay and just on a on a on a Sunday, after a heavy night out and just sit in front of a few films in the student student halls and, and and get one of those out the freezer and sip away. Well, uh, you were mentioning but, we were
0: we were together on Saturday at the whiskey festival. Yeah, Edinburgh whiskey festival and Ross let us sample some fantastic whiskies. He had a Glenfiddich mm. there, and one of the stories you told. Well, this was, is
1: absolutely true. So. Um, I I was given um, you know I think for my christening or something like that I was actually given a couple of bottles I think there was a, 18, a an eighteen year old or a <laughs> twenty one year old Glenfiddich they were both Glenfiddichs oh. I think um, which I then received on my eighteenth birthday so whilst I was at university so I actually nineteen eighty nine bottles of nineteen eighty nine S- bottles of uh, or, or y- y- yeah so um, I actually remember at university I had about. I ended up just having about three or four bottles of, like, actually quite nice malt whiskey in my room, which I would occasionally, you know, have, you know, as a wee um, stiffener before I went out, (laughs) out, out, to you know, on a student night in in Stirling, um, without really thinking too much about what I was drinking, to be honest. It didn't really matter. But I would say there was probably then a big gap in my life where I really didn't drink whiskey at all. Um... And actually, it, it, like all these things, the COVID pandemic, yeah. um, it was almost by chance. There was a really, really wet day in October 2020. Um, and my, my, my partner and I had gone up to uh, Stonehaven for a weekend, and it was miserable. It was the wettest day of the year. <laughs> um, and there was nothing to see or do. So we actually decided to go to a whiskey distillery, we went to Royal Loch Nagar. Um, which was actually probably about an hour's drive from Stonehaven, but it was something that we could do inside. And actually, that probably started an interest there because the next time we went away, again, limited to kind of the UK or Scotland with lockdown holidays, there was no f- abroad, we went to Oban. And again, when in Oban, we visited the Oban Distillery. And actually, we started to make a habit of this. And actually, the next holiday after those two, we went to Isla. Uh and there amazing. we visit. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. And actually, things were starting to open up by that point. So we got more of an experience on Isla. Visited, uh, I think, about five or six of the distilleries there. And that's really, after that, that's really where the kind of interest in whiskey really, really blossomed, I would say.
0: So you tanned the expensive bottles of
1: Glenfiddich <laughs> when you were 18
0: years old and uh, a daft laddie at university. Is that what we're saying at this story?
1: Absolutely. And if you, want, if you want to make it even, if you want me to... <laughs> Even more, this is a wastage. So at the end of one of the bottles of Glen I was drinking it um with a friend of mine. Uh, and we, we were having a wee smoke uh on a cigarette. Um, <laughs> glad you clapped. Uh, there, there, like so the there was maybe like a wee there was maybe like, stories there was the there maybe like a wee dram <laughs> left in the bottle. Um, but we didn't have an ashtray, so I just checked the ciggy in, in, in the end of that bottle because I was like, oh, there's no much left. <laughs> so, right, we'll just use this sacked. as the
0: ashtray. An 18-year-old you know, Glenn
1: Finnegg from 1989, Ross. You're cringing
0: right now. Well, I believe it doesn't go
1: great with ash. Somebody's <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> a <laughs> <babby> perfectly, <laughs> no,
0: again, again, this goes
1: back to I didn't really know what I was drinking because I remember actually going... We lived next to Tesco in Sterling and you went into Tesco and you saw... Oh there's a bottle of Glenfiddich in here for 20 quid so right yeah that that that's what it was i was like well it's just 20 I quid i can replace can, it
2: the fact that you even had whiskey in your in your uni dorms and all that, i think that's still quite quite um, alien at the uh, time. I mean,
0: I'm picturing our on Burgundy style. <laughs> <laughs> his room smelled oh, uh, of uh, sweet so, mahogany. <laughs> said he there was a chandelier of... in your student <laughs> accommodation. He yeah, yeah, <laughs> had a top shelf <laughs> in his room. Whiskies on it. One it Twenty-one year old that, I,
2: mean, I certainly know when I, when I started whisking whiskey at the whiskey show. I didn't. I didn't really like whiskey. Oh. I wanted to like whiskey. We, we're three Scottish gentlemen. It's one of the things when you're a Scot. I think you want to like whiskey. And that's something, as I said, because my father worked in it. But mm. as an 18-year-old, I was drinking whiskey and convincing myself I liked it. I remember drinking whiskey with my father. And he, he, you know, he, he'll take a bit of anything, but he always had an Ard Beg in the house, ordered the Lagavulin the house. So I remember convincing myself, oh, a Lagavulin's 16. Because I'd seen it was popular. That's my favourite dram. Blah, 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 blah. blah. See, so when I started liking whiskey, I realised I ah, hated Lagavulin. And it was one of these things. It was a total pretense, but it's one of those things, whether it was for approval, whether it was to get that, uh, you had to force yourself into it get those opportunities to get handed those bottles when you're 18
0: Angus, mm. you don't know what to do with that, no. No, absolutely. oh that's nice but also well,
2: that, well that's barely well, in it it's well just...
0: one, of, one of the things is you know we're trying to stay away from, there is a, a stigma attached to some, in, uh, some some sort of whiskey drinkers with uh, the sort of pretentiousness around it Absolutely. and uh, you know nothing's more pretentious than stubbing cigarettes out and <laughs> drams left <laughs> in the bottle we're saying it in, wasn't uh, a cigar disgusting <laughs> yes, but I mean I mean, we were at the Whiskey festival on Saturday. How was how was your head, Angus? How was your head on Saturday, on Sunday morning?
1: It, it was it, 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 It's been in better states, Graham. Aye. I put it that way. Um, the parasite I'm always taking. Then the next morning, um, I, I, you know. Um, but it was a, it was that's just a symptom of what was a fantastic evening Saturday. the night before. For, um,
0: for those who who have never experienced the uh, a whisky festival. It was actually the first time I'd ever been at a whisky festival yeah, myself. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I sort of said to you guys beforehand, I remember, we're in Edinburgh right now, but I'm originally from Kirkcaldy and Fife. And um, I remember one night getting the last train back from Edinburgh and I was sitting beside this guy who was blutered and he's sitting there and uh, we get chatting and he says, oh, how's your night been, pal? And I was like telling him where I'd been. I think I'd been at a Wraith Rovers game or whatever it was. And uh, I said, well, what about yourself, mate? And he goes, oh, I've had a brilliant night. I was brilliant. I said, what What was it? And he says, I'm not a whiskey fan, but I was at this whiskey festival thing. And he pulls out a glass from his pocket and it's one of the Glencairn glasses. He says, what they do is you turn up you get one of these at the door and it's just stall after stall after stall of whiskey companies, distilleries and all that. And you just put your glass out and somebody will fill it up. And I thought, oh God, I've got to have a bit of that. Well, the only problem is, anytime it kept popping up, I would only see it after the event had happened, so I kept or missing it. after it had
1: already sold out. Ah,
0: exactly. Or after it. So for Angus and I, I saw this pop up the Edinburgh Whiskey Festival. It uh, popped up on my Facebook, I think it was, and instantly messaged is right, let's do it. So we were at the uh, the afternoon session because I believe there was a or a, a, there was a first session, a se- second session. Ross, you were you we were working at it through. Mm. We worked for just now Bevy, who were one of the ticket, you know, one of the main sponsors of it, but he uh, You just basically turn, turned turned yep. up at half past four. He got given a glass. And just like true to the word of the drunk man on the train, he <laughs> just walked through into this hall and it was stall after stall. Independent bottlers, there are distilleries there, and we just got to sample some of the some some fantastic whiskies. Mm-hmm.
2: Certainly a good day for research. <laughs> um I think you mentioned earlier um about your pretentiousness in whiskey. And considering we met in the Balmoral, you know, that was still a very relaxed atmosphere yeah. and it was a very much, the Scotch Club at the Balmoral was a very welcoming atmosphere for people that like really good whiskey. but nobody was experts there. No. When you come to a festival, you come with your pals, you come with your family to enjoy <laughs> yourself and those stalls are lined with brand experts, yeah. brand advocates. So if you're really into whiskey, like you and Angus are, what an opportunity. Aye. You know, so now I'm with Bevy, um, which is a whiskey app that we think is the world's best companion uh, app. And we were basically co-organisers uh, of the event with Team Slange. And Graham and Serena have done uh, Clack mm-hmm. Festival before, they do that every year. And, and what I'll say is they put on an amazing event this year, totally sold out, around about 700 tickets sold. Oh, was fantastic. Um, and lots of independent distilleries, lots of independent. There's a lot bottles. of indies there. This and you, I invited you two into my the berry both we put on <laughs> Which is one of these
0: things. But we, you know, we what did you really call it? What did you actually really call it? Come on, tell the truth. What did you say? Come and sit down on my it, what?
2: It certainly had a bit of the kind of casting couch. Cast, to it. Yeah.
0: casting <laughs> couch, he called it. For any of those that don't know what a casting couch is, Google it. <laughs> don't Google it, unless
2: you have your parents' permission. <laughs> it's one of those things that, uh, yeah, so we had a wee kind of private room. We'd, a lot of the time these, at these festivals, you get master classes. Ah. We thought a master class was a bit intense. Um, so Laurie who's one of the founders of the Bevy app and myself, we, we brought in a couple of drums from our own collections and thought, we'll put a wee room on. come in with some pals, have a chat, relaxed. And it's, it's so mm. coincidental I ended up bringing that 1980s gold that I bought off an auction. Mm. But that's what whiskey's all about, isn't it, Angus? It's all mm. about the nostalgia. You've seen that bottle. Okay, maybe you think... First oh, thing you oh, thought was,
0: I'm going to put a fag <laughs> in it.
2: <laughs> maybe you think uh, student halls and have it then. But actually... Somebody in your family's put mm. that whiskey aside yeah. the, the 80, you know it's an amazing mm. whiskey is something that brings all sorts of people together um and so to come into our Berry Boffy, we had whiskies from the 60s 70s, 80s mm. and a modern bottling so quite interesting to get to yeah just reminisce I've, was a,
1: I've actually got another tale of my whis- whiskey wilderness years, which is again complete regret <laughs> um, I, I, about 2016 I actually went to Japan. Uh, and the hotel I was staying at in in Kyoto was next to a fantastic whiskey shop and it had every whiskey under the sun in there that you could possibly imagine. And I thought, well, this is a great opportunity for me to buy a wee gift from my dad and a wee gift from my brother-in-law. Uh, so I went in and I got two bottles. I have no idea what I bought because I had no interest really in that time. I bought two Japanese whiskeys. They both had an age on them. Um... And I thought, should I buy one for myself? And I thought, ah nah, I won't, I won't bother here. Uh, and I gave those bottles away without tasting a drop. So you, uh, any of has <laughs> your brother-in-law ever offered you no. a of it? <laughs> no, uh, I think I it's... It speaks volumes nope, no, those, those bottles have since disappeared. Uh, uh, which tells you everyone you need to know, I think. Um, yeah. So yeah. again, that, that that was another disappointment that, you know, something like that was kind of right there in front of me and the opportunity was passed uh, up but again kind of this was this yeah. was hindsight exactly oh, you
0: hear stories about you know there's a guy that bought a bottle of 18 year old McAllen for 18 years yeah. for his son so every yeah. year and then he sold it for a ridiculous amount of yeah. money for the or the, went up for auction for a lad's 18th birthday and you think why didn't i think of that yeah. and there's all these kind of things you can go in the auction and yeah. you can see a whiskey if you're sitting in the auctions and you think oh, maybe that's worth investing in or maybe that's worth buying you buy it, and then it sits and does nothing, whereas there's other stuff. But, I mean, going back to your uh, whisky casting couch, I sampled it was a, what was it, a white horse?
2: A white horse, yeah. So I, we're bringing in a wee competition. I brought in a, a Glenfiddich from the 80s. I thought that'll win. Then Laurie brought in a, an old white horse. I thought, okay, single malt versus blended whisky, lots of preconceived notions. I thought, I still fancy my chances here. They yeah, a wee note in the bottom of his bottle. and Laurie's worked in auctions before, and it said, bought. Uh, I think it was eighth of August, if I can remember correctly, nineteen sixty five in Beirut. Wow. So I mean, the li- its liquid history. Yeah. Mm. That's that's a famous Cameron Ewan. Uh, <laughs> no, liquid history. Liquid and that history. Was yeah. The opportunity that yeah, it's not you know the the priciest bottle you'll find. It's not the biggest name you'll see. But you walk in, you sit down, you're chatting to a couple of pals or a couple of hosts, and they're saying, you know, also oh, I brought this in, and it was bought in the 19- in nineteen sixty five. It doesn't matter how into whisky you are. There's that, something that's really cool about that. Whisky doesn't often get described as cool, but it is something quite exciting and quite yeah. intriguing about... It's, it's been in a bottle for 60 years before yeah. he opened it. It, it, it is
1: quite funny because that, that, that bottle itself reminded me very much at my, my, my parents' house. My dad has a bottle of brandy. Uh, Napoleon brandy. Now it gets used once a year. A tablespoon gets lit and uh, and gets put on top of the Christmas pudding. Um, but my dad assures me that bottle was and it has actually on it. It has duty free Bahrain. And my dad said my my grandfather probably bought that back coming back. Uh, you know um, in in 1978 or something yeah. or in 1982. Um, so again, um, I think that I think that's know, probably one of the things a that kind of. Cool mystique about all that. Well, that's what the appeal is. I think the fact that, you
0: know, when you do look at some of the whiskies and, and you look at what's out there, and of course, one of the big things about whiskey is age statement versus non-age statement. And I think people like the idea. And also age statements often used to say for a signaling of what, what's, a, what's a good whiskey and what's not a good whiskey. Whereas actually, you know... You, you could probably sample a ten-year-old whiskey and a twenty-five-year-old whiskey in a blind tasting, and there'll be a large percentage of the room that'll probably go, "I quite enjoyed that one." And you find out that's ten. So your preconceived notion is often that when there's a big stamp on the front of it of twenty-five or thirty, then it's going to be. They often say, and I think you'll be a completely different s- stage, is they say that you'll. Some people will never ever get to try a whiskey that is aged as the same age as themselves. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it and you say, for, for us to sit here just now, despite what you said at the very beginning of this podcast, Ross, I'm 34 years old, to be able to sit and actually sample a 34-year-old whiskey yeah. would be a very difficult thing for most people to do and it a very is. costly thing as well. Uh, 100%. So the fact is that when, when, when there is that, and as yeah. Angus has used the word, the mystique about it, when you actually think about it and you say, well, you know, there is history in this, and especially when you find in these rare bottles like a 19... A, a bottle that's been bottled and sold and was it beirut you said it was beirut 1965
2: yeah beirut in
0: 1965 and you're sitting there thinking wow you know there is so much history involved yeah. in that and that yeah. i think that there is part of that that makes people so encapsulated it's intriguing. In, and yeah exactly there is something magical about you it. feel
2: you'd miss out if you didn't take the opportunity to try it it's one of those things that whiskey is um you say about a good whiskey and a bad whiskey and i do generally believe that a bad whiskey is bad company I, I totally believe that if you're a good whiskey, is drinking it with the right people in the right circumstance. But when it comes to these old dignified whiskies that we're now able to experience in the twenty first century, these are a very kind of small part of the it's less than five percent of the industry, yeah. is even single malt. Never mind the age single malt. Yeah. Um. So I'm a spoiled arse, and comp- you know, the stuff that I've been given
0: <laughs> to. We well, had ten drams well, this afternoon before he even came to join us. <laughs> yeah, some well, was a pretty serious
2: research at the new Pioneers range from Berry Bros today, but yeah, the opportunity to try some really old, interesting stuff, and I'll tell you, Graham, and this does sound ludicrous, but it's, the, the honest answer is, let's say I've maybe had uh, 20 or 30 dramas older than 50 or 60 years old. Wow. 50% of them, knackered. Yeah. Absolutely knackered. And it's one of those things that at the start of my <laughs> very brief career in whiskey, trying some of these old whiskies, I would have felt too nervous to tell people I didn't think it was any no. good. And only once you've had an, a a lot of experience of trying these ridiculous whiskies that I, I get, I get the mystique, I get the luxury, I get that I'm very privileged. I've got to have these, but a lot of them are absolutely cooked, uh-huh. and I spent too much too much time in the cask. And so, what I'd say to a lot of people that are. Maybe if people that love whiskey, they say, oh, but I'd love to try a 30-year-old, but I'll never get the opportunity. 12 to 18-year-old whiskey is a real sweet spot. Yeah. And, and so it's nice to treat yourself every now and then, but honestly, maybe it's because I'm from Ayrshire and I'm, maybe I'm tight-fisted, but it's one of those things that the opportunity to try a really good age statement malt whiskey, if that's what you like, find your profile, find your distillery or your region. We're going to go on to a couple of, of our favourite drams and highlight why. Um, that opportunity to try those whiskies is rare anyway. Yeah. It is see the Glenfiddich Twelve yeah. that Angus could buy in the supermarket in Stirling or whatever. That's a that's a world class whisky, in is. that circumstance. You know Scotland's a tiny little market. You go to tor- corners of the globe that are obsessed with whisky, but will never be able to afford malt whisky. Never mind days
0: Well, t- t- I can tell you that first hand. I'm just back from my wedding in India mm-hmm. in Bangalore and talking. Congratulations, Yeah, you. are Talking about uh, a <laughs> Glenfiddich. Twelve, so due to the, the tax and duty that's placed on top of the, the importation of scotch whisky over in India where there's at the moment about 150% tax mm-hmm. on top of what the bottle is. When we had the wedding um, we were obviously trying to select the drinks in the hotel so that we can put on, I mean free bar all night that's what I'm telling you. That's brave <laughs> That's it. You're... You wouldn't do that at the wedding was in Scotland would you girl? Absolutely not <laughs> 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 Absolutely not but a free bar all night beer and wine only because okay. uh, when when we suddenly started looking at the drinks list, and of course, we wanted to have whiskey on the on the menu there, um, and we basically we were quoted round about 150 pounds for a bottle of 12 year old Glenfiddich. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not a snob where I go, Ugh, I'm not going to touch that stuff or anything like that. But the bottom line was. Just for that entry level. Yeah. If you start saying, Well, I'd rather have, let's just say, for example, fifteen year old Glenn Finick sitting on the table, where would we even be looking for that price? It didn't even have it on the list. Mm. So the, po- the next plan was everybody had kind of been given a shopping list at the duty free, because you can carry two bottles through and they're liter bottles in the travel market. So everyone kinda of got told, Bring this, bring that. And then what I tried to do is haggle with the haggle with the sort of hotel. Say, Can you corkage give us corkage? No corkage allowed in India right in Bangalore through state law, no corkage allowed. So the, the next thing everyone was told is, bring as many hip flasks as you possibly can, because the beauty of it is, Indians have never really understood what is in a man's sporn. And uh, <laughs> basically, basically what we had was, we had everybody kind of walking around with different single malts in their, in, in their hip flasks for for the evening event. Amazing. But I mean, it, it just goes to show, just like what you said, we are sitting here and you're saying, well, you can go down to the supermarket right now, a co-op or anything like that, and there'll be a, a green... Triangular bottle on the yeah. shelf, as well as others mm. that you can pick up for you know a, a very affordable price in Scotland, but at the same time, when you look around the world, just whiskey itself is expensive, never mind the age statement that we, we were talking about.
2: Adapt and overcome, Graham. You've done well there.
0: We've done all right there. Yeah. Right? Anything to get a dram, like, I,
1: I brought over a a lovely litre of uh, Blair 15 and that went down very well at the wedding after That's sometime. it, yeah. I
0: think um, the, the travel retail market was quite good as well. We were really able to pick up some special editions and stuff like that as well. So it was it was quite nice. But I mean, talking about the pretentiousness and talking about what people are ordering and stuff like that, and it is a Whiskey Stories podcast and we are sitting here in a pub drinking and uh, sharing kind of stories and stuff like that. You worked in you know, a very, very high-end five-star luxury hotel in a whiskey bar. Now, first things first, one of the great things about the Scotch bar at Balmoral, and I think it's summed up by your story about when you're 18 years old and you thought, who the hell does this boy think he is? He's Mm. walked into the pub. He's walked into the Scotch bar in the Balmoral, sat down and ordered a dram. And
2: I've been trekked with the respect of a a multi-millionaire.
0: Absolutely. No one said, on your bike, son, you're no sitting here. That's one of the great things. And that's, I think, how we connected so well when we would go into the... uh, into the scotch bar is yourself cameron you've also got uh, fraser and the other lads that work, dario, yeah. dario as well that works in there and i think there is an it there, there would be so many people whiskey fans or people who enjoy a drink or a dram or anything like that will not go into that environment before for the fear of it it's being intimidating pretentiousness and yeah. about it and then of course the fear of going what happens if i just want a 5.99 whiskey yeah and the thing is you've got them
3: Absolutely. You've got a
0: forty you've got a is it McAllen forty? And McAllen forty
2: was eight hundred and fifty quid a an nap, and it was the second bottle that we'd opened and the first bottle was the first open bottle in Scotland outside of the wow. distillery. So but again it's a clientele, it's a hotel, it was an amazing place it was an amazing place to be. Um but very welcoming. I think Cameron Cameron we spoke about Cameron a wee bit earlier, you will be
0: on the podcast at some point Cameron, when he gets back to me.
2: Cameron is um one of the most um generous people of his time. He doesn't care where you've come from, what you know. He'll give you all his time, all his knowledge. And if you've got the time, you can earn a lot, you can learn an awful oh, right. lot from somebody like him.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. So when you're working behind the bar and you have, you know, when it gets to Edinburgh festival season or it's mm-hmm. a busy time of year, um, and you've obviously got some pretty high-end people coming in. And as you've just mentioned, you're talking about 850 quid for a 25, was it a 25-mil measure of a 40 old
2: I've had folk take doubles.
0: <laughs> right, right. I mean if I had, if I paid 850 quid for a whiskey I wouldn't brush my teeth for a week. Yeah. Right? But the plus bo-
2: plus ten percent service so eighty five quid added on when once it's poured. This is yeah.
0: why <laughs> This <laughs> why we do this part podcast at Diggers Athletics. Like which is <laughs> which is the best
2: whiskey pub in Scotland, as
0: and, and don't tell the owner because his pricing is <laughs> absolutely spot on. It's best kept secret <laughs> or worst kept secret, in do But the point is you know, what? have you had any... You've just mentioned there, you've had people coming in, they'll mm. take a double mm. £850 for in it. I mean, how, how long will it take for a bottle of 40-year-old McAllen in that environment to survive on that top shelf yeah. before it's needed replaced? a good replaced?
2: question. I think it was a really special time in my, in my career. And, and so the first bottle we had was just coming out of the pandemic. So we had a lot of staycations. I wasn't... We were missing our... Realistically, you're looking at an 80% North American market and something like that. Right. You're looking at the people that are coming over... They're spending 30, k in their holiday in Scotland, and they're not blinking an eye at it. Um, so the first you know, few months was kind of tough for me, but we found a couple of high rollers that were interested, and then it probably took about a year um, for that first bottle. Dario, as we mentioned before, Dario is currently listed um, top 100 bartenders in the world. Exactly. Like. The Balmoral, top 100 bartenders in the world. He came in with a mission. And in the first festival period, which if people are not from Edinburgh, you know right. Edinburgh Fringe is massive. I mean massive. the population doubles. Um he sold a drama day for the first fifteen or sixteen days until the bottle was sold at Seriously? Yeah. Wild. Wow. And that's but whiskey, you know, whiskey value is so subjective. If you have travelled all over the world, this is your first time in Scotland, and you are presented with the only open bottle in Scotland, it is the best price in Scotland. Yeah. It's the worst price in Scotland, technically, right. but it is the best price in Scotland. So if you've spent your entire life, if you're re- coming over as a retirement vacation, you know, my girlfriend's Americans, so I'm used to all the American terms, just coming over for vacation. Vacation, man. They think they're Scottish. Yeah. And they come over and... My
0: great-great-great-grandfather was a McLeod.
2: Yeah, exactly. He was, a, he, he, he was a McCallum. I'll have a McCallums. It wasn't it was it wasn't uncommon to hear that. Yeah. And, uh, but listen, it, it's that's the amazing thing about whiskey. We're here, uh, three pals, celebrating a dram, but Scotch whiskey has got such a massive outreach. You were talking about having your wedding in India.
3: Yeah, and Indians usual.
2: love, oh, love, a drum. love Scotch whiskey. Yeah. Johnny Walker is an... Uh, the most iconic brand yeah. in that part of the market. It's such a, a business, a business partner. You go for a business, be able to Walker, a Blue oh, wow. label. That's it. Yeah, that's like the highest level of speech. It, it really
0: is. I, I, I mean, w- when you're when you're working in that environment, then did it frustrate you ever? Where as a whiskey enthusiast, as somebody who re- I mean, we've sat there before, and that's one thing I really loved. But getting to know yourself and Cameron and stuff like that is one of the skill sets that you guys have is that you get to know what someone likes if they're having a couple of drams. And what we liked, Angus and I would, would go in and you'd say, right, hang on a minute. And you'd go in over to that shelf and you'd get your little step ladder out so no one can see up your kilt, right? And you'd step up the steps just to get in there and you'd have a little rummage around and with you'd come theater. back with a really, we'd never heard of it, maybe a bottling of something, an independent bottle of Milton Duff or, or something that you... Yeah, you yeah. And you'll say, try that and let me know how you what you think about it. and. And we would love it. And the thing is, it challenges you a little bit, which you love because you're getting that stimulation. Whereas, as you've kind of mentioned, without drawing the stereotypical kind of North American uh, mm. tourist that comes in, mm. they see the they see the brands. Right? I want I want a Lagavulin. I want an yeah. Ardbeg. I yeah. want a Macallan. I want a Glenfiddich. And there's nothing wrong with these drinks. And don't get me wrong, They're, yeah, I'm great. not going to uh, sit yeah. here and go, "Ugh, you're only going to drink that." Important for Scotland, but at the same time, for you, did it ever get? frustrating when you're thinking all I wanted to do is just give somebody a real sort of challenge of the
2: honestly it never got frustrated Graham it's a great question Um, 90% of the audience in Scotch no matter where they were from would come in they'd be almost grateful to get a seat in the bar because as you know it it should be absolutely chock-a-full they'll come in and they'll say this is what I like I'm here in Scotland. What should I have? Yeah, and that was the best creative freedom you could possibly of have. Of course. I remember you sitting down on the table number one. We call it next to the bar, bartender's friends table, and bringing you a Daft Mill. It was a Daft Mill. Yeah. That was the last use of the maltings in Fife, I believe. Yeah. you had. You ended up having a connection to that bottle. No, it was my grandfather's.
0: Thing? It was my grandfather's malting. It was the Coaker's malt. It's a it's a, the Daft Mill two thousand and six and the Daft Mill fifteen used the last malt that was used at Colgair's malt because Colgair's maltings uh, in Kirkcaldy. Colgair's maltings shut in 2006 and an interesting story about that is I was since told by uh, by somebody up in the the Glenaligin distillery is they said that the the day that that closed down in 2006 was actually the first day that the Scotch whisky industry went into a malt barley deficit because of that, so it's quite. A, so you, you. But I
2: recommended that dram for
0: you. Yeah.
2: I didn't know you had that connection, and that is what whiskey is all about. And it's cost because my bloody
0: fortune since because I had to go it, <laughs> as soon as I saw it in the back of the label. I said, "Right, yeah. I'm going to have to go get 165 pound a bottle." But I, but I remember you look at the back of the bottle and you're like, "I can't believe this." Well, I, I had to that,
2: buy it. I said it was the last, the last use yeah. of the maltings and
0: In Criccioli. Yeah. And so that is yeah. what
2: whiskey and whiskey stories and whiskey connections 100%. are sitting in a hotel like that. Having a dram that might not be that expensive, yeah. but actually it doesn't connect to you; it connects to your grandfather. It connects oh, to all these that's things, unbelievable. and that's as as a as a few Scotsmen that talk about whiskey. We're so lucky; we're so privileged that a Glenfiddich from the eighties that I had in the Bevy Boffy connected to Angus, well, a Daft Mill that I recommended to you connected to your grandfather. Yeah, yeah. That is what whiskey is about, and so, like you said, yeah, like we're going to talk about a few drams that were quite special to us and whiskeys. Um, it doesn't matter the quality, it doesn't matter the price it matters the memory, the people you're drinking it with. You know, Whenever I go back and see my father, I go back and see Slovene, he expects a bottle to be brung yeah, yeah. and it's a terrible pressure of putting myself. <laughs> <laughs> but, but also, he always keep his bar fairly well stocked because yeah. my mother's not interested, my mother will get up and leave the room as soon as yeah. we start talking about drinks. Oh, really. But we can sit there and, and open ten bottles that he's yeah. been waiting to open or that he's kept a bit of and have a chat and we'll, we'll catch up on life and Whatever's happened outside of whiskey, but over a dram, and that's something that's now become almost a tradition with us. You know, I think
0: that's. I think when you look at like a pub like this and you look around and you see even just what we are doing today, this is why I decided that this would be the best way to sort of get this out because I felt, you know, we 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 do this, Angus, don't we? We we yeah, yeah. we did it on Saturday to an extreme level <laughs> at the edinburgh <laughs> whiskey festival but we do this you can sit there you get a half pint of lager you get a wee a, a nice dram especially at, the, at this pub here where it's 35 mil measures and yeah, you yeah. can sit and you can put the world to rights you can talk about good old days you could talk you see you see old boys that will mm. do that in here all the time and there'll be pubs up and down the country that, that people will do that and mm. and i think that's a nice part and i think that's the appeal for a lot of people i can remember as a kid my grandfather drank whiskey and my you know both my grandparents drank whiskey and and everybody liked it and i can remember seeing it and i can remember thinking like how and i, I was almost slightly jealous of the fact that somebody could have such a sort of love for this fiery spirit that any time I smelt it or tasted it as a kid, i thought, think, ugh, it's disgusting. And it was almost like, you know, my granddad would sometimes do that, saying, here, do what we try on my drink. And as kids, my, my cousins and I would smell it and try and taste it. no, it's disgusting. And then fast forward, I think that, that was it. And as you've said, there, there's connections that can be made through whiskey, and, you know, all the way through it. Connections in the sense of mm. tasting bottles, smelling things. My wife hates whiskey. She really hates it. But one of the things that really frustrates me is I'll sit at whiskey tasting, and someone like yourself, Ross, will be, maybe not so much with your tastings, in fact, but someone will be sitting there saying, if you swirl that around and you smell it, you'll get tones, notes of this, and you'll get notes of that. I can't place flavour through smell. So what I can do is I can say, that smell... I'll be able to say, yeah. oh, that smells like it's got a bit of smoke in it. That smells like an bag or it mm-hmm. smells like mm-hmm. a sherry or it smells like this. But I wouldn't be able to go, oh, I remember being at one tasting that you were at and it's a guy who used to work with you. Was it Chuck? Charles,
2: yeah. Charles,
0: right. Charles Kerr. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Good headache, man.
0: Uh, another one. And he said, um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the ways that he described the flavour of a whiskey that we tasted that night... Was cola cubes and church pews? <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, and by the way, Charles, an industry titan, as far as right. I'm concerned, 100%. Like, like okay, he's not working for the biggest brand, but Charles and Cam taught me what barley is. Never mind, <laughs> but but he's bonkers. But the you thing know, is, he'll tell you it smells like pencil shavings on a Wednesday, <laughs> and, and 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 that's what whiskey is. All, it's so personal. It's was I would actually probably say you said that. People tell you this and that and the other thing, and it's very kind of psychological a lot of the time. Um, My my nose is probably far better than my palate. See people talk about a long finish and all of that. I struggle with that, for example, because my palate is immature. I've probably had uh, uh, let's say sixteen hundred whiskies in my life, so it's really not that many. no uh, well, not enough. <laughs> <laughs> not enough. And, and the guy's of things is, Cameron's had right. probably about 11 or 12,000 wow. drams in his life. And, and it, it takes time. And yeah. it, it's amazing you to people when they say this and that and the yeah. other. And at the same time, I was at a tasting today, Mark Thompson. Mark Thompson says, That's like, what did he say? It was like mushroom. I, I, can't, I couldn't even tell you the smell of mushrooms. But see, <laughs> but see when he said it for this whiskey, all I could smell. Well, I was just about and to say, I, I, like,
0: everybody knows what a church... Like, not that we all go up and sniff church pews or anything like that, but there <laughs> is a sort <laughs> of... <laughs> <laughs> I got trucked out the church a couple of weeks ago <laughs> for that. But uh, there's, <laughs> there's, there is a sort of distinct smell and yeah, cova yeah. cubes is a much, mm. you know, less offensive thing to smell than a church pew. But the, the bottom line is, like, once you can relate that to it, but the, I'm going to myself, where the heck's he got that from? But the point is that that puts a lot of people off straight away when yeah, you go into a works. whiskey tasting and someone says oh, and you'll get this that uh, next thing and one thing i was going to say about my wife is mm. that she hates whiskey mm. she can't stand the mm. taste of it but she's bloody good at smelling it oh. and what i'll be able to do is i'll get the tasting notes or something up maybe use the bevy app and i'll get the tasting notes up there and i'll say uh, have a sniff of this and i'll get my glass out <laughs> and she'll uh, She'll smell it and I'll go, What do you get? And she'll she'll pick up notes. She'll say a bit of toffee or a bit of this or a creamy or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. And I go, and, and it 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 it's hard for me to be able to relate to somebody who's able to do that. But at the same time, it doesn't it doesn't put me off you know, Wait, uh, drinking the, it or well, anything like that. And I
1: think I think Ross as well actually, he hit on something else. If we're talking about our kind of introductions into whiskey is the infinite variety. Yeah. Um sixteen thousand drams. And but, but but the thing about drinking whiskey is you, you you could never get bored because there's always something new to try. Well, that's the and problem think, we have. I think I think as well, one of the things I remember, you know, very young, you know, you're thinking about how did I get into whiskey. Uh, my dad actually had a, a, a book. I remember it was like the Scottish, the guide to Scottish whiskey. And it was one of these books that had a review of every distillery in Scotland. And you'd, you'd flick the pages. And it was just one of those things I remember as a kid kind of looking at it and, you know, being vaguely interested in like oh, there's you know, all these distilleries and you know, but the other the other fantastic thing as well is not only the variety. I mean, there's so many whiskies you could buy, but also the fact that you've kind of hit on it as well a wee bit as well. Graham is abroad as a Scotsman. It's a it's a great introduction or ah. a great help because I another little story. I was in. Uh, I went to Japan. Um, mind we've got a second staff. episode of this oh, know, to do? I, you know. I Don't all get all your stories out your mind. I, <laughs> just, j- j- just after I left university, I went and visited Japan, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm from Harrington, grew up in Harrington, and I walked into a bar. I was, I was with a couple of friends in Japan, <laughs> and I walked into a bar in a place called Kanazawa, um, which is a kind of middling city in Japan, not a particularly well known or big one. And I walked into a bar, and there was a bottle of whiskey behind the bar called Haddington House. It's a blend that wow. you can't—I've never seen it in this country. <laughs> and my jaw hit the floor and you've <laughs> got to buy there a drink I up. was, and I think uh, yeah, I had a nip, and I kind of. Almost, you know, um, oh, yeah. That literally is literally that the the jaw hit the bar, and I was like, "I'm from there." Okay.
2: <laughs> that is
1: whiskey. That is what
2: whiskey is about.
1: Hi. It's about being. Oh
2: my goodness, that is ours. Mm. That's yeah. That's and, and, so... and of
1: course, I got chatting to the barman, and yeah. I had an evening in that pub, and it was fantastic. Yeah. And all yeah. we did was talk about whiskey, and I was explaining. He what what actually happened was is is okay. I wasn't particularly into whiskey at the time. But he, he was saying well okay Haddington where, where, where in Scotland is Haddington so I had to draw a rudimentary map of, <laughs> and I was like Haddington's here and he was like okay where is the famous space side and I was like well that's actually up here so that's like North Scotland and he was like oh I've got bottle uh, Isla where is Isla and yeah. it was like yeah. suddenly I was teaching him about weather, yeah. you know because he had all right. these Absolutely. whiskeys and it was like there I was kind of with this, you know, napkin, with this map on it, going, pointing and saying, that's <laughs> aye, that's an isle- that's actually an island off Scotland, yeah. and this is North Scotland. Haddington I, House. Yeah, Haddington, Haddington House. House. <laughs> and it, Had- yeah.
2: I, I went to... I you can buy grew- it in Germany, I think. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I ended look- up growing up in East Linton. I've not seen a similar bottle. Yeah. I've not seen an East Linton bottle. No, So, no, no, um, well, so I mean, I'm absolutely raging at that. <laughs> well, speaking,
0: of, speaking about Germany, actually, one of the things, just briefly, we were sort of we were talking about the podcast and I was sort of saying, all right, we're going to start this podcast and what are we actually going to do? And I think, I didn't have any doubt that once we get in a room, once we have a couple of drinks, once we've got the mics on, we wouldn't struggle for anything to talk about, and we have it. But it was sort of like, what's the, what's the aim? What are we looking for? And everything like that. So for people listening to this and stuff, and I thought, what could the aim be? And it just so happened to coincide with Scotland's qualification to Euro 2024, mm. the first main aim for us. Is uh, the whiskey stories Euro Euro twenty twenty four road show? <laughs> like that's that's something. I've kind of been I have been looking at it and I says you know what what do we want to do with this? What what are we what are we want to achieve? And I think you know this is great. This is what it's been all about. Sitting around with a couple of guys that we can we can have, and it'd be great to have more guests. And we will be looking at getting more guests. People who are in the industry, people who maybe aren't in the industry but have a story to tell about whiskey and stuff like that. But yeah, I think traveling the world drinking whiskey would definitely be up there and I think I could see us right now sitting in a in a nice little Brow House in Germany, with with the Tartan Army around us and a live audience sitting there drinking drams and regaling them of more whiskey stories. What do you reckon?
1: Why not? Sounds sounds all right to me,
0: Graham. Aye, take a bit of that. <laughs> get a
2: commandant manager, get commandant results. That's all I well, can say. Well, yeah, a bit of a Kelly fire. Well, aren't that's, you? A, yeah. that's the elephant in the room is that we all support rubbish football teams. <laughs> Aye, well that's, <laughs> why
0: that's why we're all big drinkers. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's how we, we all sound like a whiskey yeah. so far. Yeah. Rake right, well, Rovers and Kilmarnock. Uh, Listen, well,
0: it keeps you grounded. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, one of the big... Th- the only thing when we was doing the the kind of plan for this... And there was a plan? Uh, <laughs> well, that <laughs> napkin that you drew the map of Scotland <laughs> is probably more detailed than my plan for this, this first podcast. But one of the things that we do have is... Um, the feature is going to be what three drams and we're going to keep that consistent throughout now it could be any dram it could be for any reason it could be the fact that you know it's the cheapest that you that you enjoy or it could be that there's a story connected to it and i think um as this is the first one what we can do is we can pick pick, but we'll do our three drams but there's three of us so we'll go one each at a time and then we'll go back through so angus i'll start with you for this one what three drams? Which one are you? What's the first one that you're going to? So
1: my first dram, and I, there's absolutely no question about what it was going to be, the famous grouse. So, and, I, and I've got a good story about the famous grouse. So, uh, again, as I said, I wasn't much of a whiskey drinker in my university years, and you know, like you said, the odd, uh, you know, experience of fine whiskey wasn't appreciated and so forth. But uh, I had one evening, I'd driven up to Inverness for a Raith Rovers game we uh, were all football fans I thought there'd be a way of tying Wraith Rovers into this uh, and I was driving back down the road and all my pals had gone out on this big night out and there I was and I had to park the car in Edinburgh so my parents could, because it was my mum's car that I drove up to Inverness with so my mum my parents would, I, I had one set of where's keys where's I had one set of keys my parents had the other set of keys Inverness in your mum's car I would driven up from Stirling to Inverness bottles of grouse rattling see, around in the boot see, to see a nil-nil draw and then driven, and I drove and I hit a red squirrel on the way up, but that's another. <laughs> so I drove back and, and I had to. Park that. I, to, I, I couldn't stop in Stirling because my parents were picking the car up the next oh, morning, no. so I had to park it in Edinburgh. Uh-huh. So I parked it just near my dad at the parking space just near Haymarket. Uh, right. So I parked it in Haymarket, and this is about ten o'clock in the evening. I'd come back from the game finishing uh, up in Inverness.
0: Peel the red squirrel off uh, your off the grill and, of your mum's
1: car. Par- <laughs> my parents had my, 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 my ah exactly, and my pals had been on it all day. And I was, I was stone cold sober. Aye. And I was, I, I, I need to do something Aye. about this. I need Aye. to do something about this. So I bought a half bottle of the famous grouse and I tanned the whole thing on the train from Edinburgh to Stirling. Drink Star-like. responsibly, kids. And, and drink responsibly, but that's when I was like, whiskey can get you very well oiled for a good evening out. There you uh, go. So I remember that. I remember that train journey very well. How were you feeling? At,
0: well, can you remember getting off the train after that half... Well, after?
1: I don't know. I had a mighty fine evening and it was a, a half bottle of the Famous Grouse and it didn't cost me a lot, but it got me It Got, got, me you, very, on, got, got you on me, the way. It got me on the way. There so, you go. So for that, for that, I have to thank it. There you go then.
2: I'll give an ode to Famous Grouse. That was that was absolutely hilarious, but I'll give, to, I'll give an ode to Grouse says, I would not be working whiskey if it wasn't for famous grouse. No, oh, there you go. So, my grandfather, who I never met, only drank grouse. I'd have a bottle of Glenfiddich 12 in for guests. Yeah. And and he said it was too peaty. Glenfiddich was not peated. <laughs> but, <laughs> this, is, this is the story I told my father. But the idea was that malt whiskey was so much more defined, yeah. strong, powerful compared to blended whiskey yeah. that it put him off. He had a bottle of malt for guests, but he liked a grouse. There's no doubt that I got my father into whiskey, And there's no doubt I got into whiskey since so when I was 17, my father was working in whiskey.
0: So you're I, picking famous grouse as well? Absolutely not. Right. Uh,
2: absolutely <laughs> not. Um, it's one of those things, I was going to pick, pick a pretty average dram, but now I want to pick, bring it up a bit. Because like, Do you want to go next, Graeme? <laughs> well, I mean,
0: if we're on the subject of you know what people would probably classify and uh, turn their noses up, I, I mean... A story i I struggle with this. this and my three drams will change regularly, but this is only really a, a feature for the guests as yeah. such, but on that subject, Angus you and I were on a a trip to if we're going to go down the football route um a trip to Kazakhstan
1: oh yes, I remember it <laughs> and we flew Astana
0: Airways That's which right. was the as the capital, the new capital city of Kazakhstan. Very
2: good.
0: And, uh, I, I, we, we we it actually got
1: changed while we were there, so we, we, we flew yeah. into... It's been changed back since, but we flew into Astana when we left Nursultan. Yeah, the
0: the, um, the original, was it the president of Kazakhstan? changed the president to his he, name. He yeah. retired, and as a retirement gift himself, he decided to change the capital city's name from Astana to Nursultan. Later
1: on, he decided that was a terrible idea <laughs> changed it back to Astana. But, but the great thing about
0: yeah. Air Astana, um, and I'm hoping that there may be... A could be s- potential sponsors of the of the podcast if I keep bringing them up. But well, I've heard they're interested. Was <laughs> it was a fantastic. great flight. It was a, was a great flight, actually. But one of the things was, we were on the flight, and I don't particularly like flying, as Angus will tell am a nervous flyer, but whiskey definitely does seem to give me the wings I need to get wherever I need to be. So um, I remember when the, the, the trolley was coming up and the drinks and refreshments and stuff like that, I said, what whiskeys have you got? And it was Bell's. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, God. Um, we've got a, what, six and a half hours, I think it was. Mm. Uh, now I asked, I said, I'll take a bells in And the thing about when you fly is a lot of the time, unless they give you the miniatures, a lot of the time it's a free pour. And I only noticed this on the way back from India as well. Um, is that, the, the, you know, it was a free pour into the glass, hand poured, similar to the, the Edinburgh Whiskey Festival at times, but I saw the measure that this, this this particular air steward gave me. And I thought that bottle's never going to make, we were quite, <laughs> the, quite close to the front of the, the plane that bottle's never going to last by the time she gets to the top and then comes back again and it was free drinks all all flight and I think that I I have to say if we're going down the route, Angus I'll take the pretense out of this we'll leave Ross with the pretentiousness when it comes to his whiskies. but uh, the bells, bells standard bells I enjoyed a large amount of that bottle similar to your train from Edinburgh to Stirling, Angus from the flight from London to Astana in Kazakhstan I must admit and the thing is I kind of thought to myself, "You're going to have to pull your head at your backside here, Graham. If you want a whiskey on this flight, it's going to have to be Bells." Yeah. And I did, and I must say, I, I, I took a little shine into it. Well,
2: I would say that you two are the definition of the people's champions, <laughs> <laughs> uh, bringing something so so reasonable. And I'll say that on-flight whiskey has, does have a special place for me. I, I've been been in Boston uh, three times in the last mm-hmm. year. And so Delta Airways, if you want to ask fantastic airline. Uh-huh. They have no transactions on flights, so <laughs> everything's closed. And so you can get a, a doers, as they a say. Doers. A doers. Which will arrive on the rocks, whether you ask it or not, which is fine. Um, or occasionally you'll get a, a Tallamore Jew miniature, which I think is pretty premium, by the way. you know not got Harrington House, no. Um, no <laughs> Harrington House. <laughs> but what they were pretty. If good. go to
1: Kanazawa for that. Uh,
2: because you two have been so, you know, pocket friendly for two privately educated young men. Yeah. Um I will go for the Balvenie Thirty.
0: Now, I've been... maybe we've got three we've got three each here eh? <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> I've been I've been really really lucky um, working with lots of different brands and visiting different distilleries but my trip to the Balvenie distillery was the first gift back to my father I was ever able to give ah, so nice. it was maybe middle of the pandemic I can't even remember maybe coming out of the pandemic uh, and so now I had this opportunity of my job with the Balmoral and Fruit Glen Kinchi to get into certain distilleries and had had the contacts because of Cameron. Um, I went up to Balvenie, which was always... about Balvenie 12 was going to be my original answer, and that was going to be very diplomatic. Because oh, yeah. Balvenie 12 is something I will order while I look at a whiskey list. Ah, okay. So i got to a really good whiskey pub. I'll say i have a Balvenie 12 and I'll have a look. Because it's such a solid, reliable whiskey from a brilliant... Family-owned brand, yeah. Um, but went up there with my dad, just me and him. A gentleman called James, who's now the distillery visitor center manager, uh, and a guy called Charlie Metcalf, uh, who's now the global brand ambassador for Balvenie. Yeah. They took care of us. of so and, and, two, and, two, and, two, and me and my dad and walking around the floor maltings My dad was asking questions I didn't know the answer to. I mean, he, at that point, my knowledge really wasn't there, yeah. but my interest was. And so we get walking around, walking around, we've done a few distilleries, we do a wee whiskey dad and lad once a year. Yeah, so two nights nice. away, we do a that's few nice. distilleries, we've done one in Space out, this is the first one, and we're walking around the distillery, there's one of the guys that works in the floor maltings there, we're getting, speaking to him, my dad's asking which species of barley, I had no idea at this point, no idea. But he was giddy, like a, like a kid at this distillery. It was such a special experience for me and him to share. We're staying in Dufton. And we could put it into a wee cottage and try a few drams. And so, really, really interesting. Loved the distillery since then. Come back to the Balmoral and they released the new Rare Marriages 30-year-old. Now, for a long time, I preferred sherry oak whiskey. Now, I quite like a wee subtle, I'm very emotional, kind of sensitive person. So, I like, yeah. a, I like a wee space I yeah. Bourbon and all the rest of it. But this uh, Rare Marriage is not the most recent bottling, but the one before... It was about eighteen hundred quid a bottle. Um so I didn't I didn't buy a case. Um <laughs> but I tried this whiskey for the first time and it took me right back to that style desert. Fantastic. And and it was it was like it's like chewing fruit basels. It was so thick and intense, and and it's something that really stuck with me. And again that comes from um working in a great place, working with great black great brands and getting the opportunity from the brands to try those whiskies um, and visit those places, so it's <laughs> terrible as is, I'll start with thirty.
3: Right,
0: well, I will tell you what, all that chat's got me thirsty, so I think it's time <laughs> to go up and replenish our drink scene as we are in, in, a, in a bar in Edinburgh, and we are running dry of whiskey and beer <laughs> here as well. Right, we're back with drams and, and pints and everything, we're making a night of it. It's good, it's good Right guys, we've had our first First three drams So we've had a a famous grouse A standard bells and a balvenie (laughs) I
2: had to make up for it lads Come on I just thought you were going too reasonable
1: Right, Angus we'll go back to you here well i'm'm''m I'm, 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 I'm telling a story so I'm rolling two drums into one which is my second pick so again it, it kind of relates back to how I got into whiskey so i I mentioned before that my my dad used to get kind of he very rarely actually probably bought a bottle of whiskey he just got bottles of whiskey given to him by clients and you know that that I see of, where you get it from there <laughs> exactly um so exactly. So one time I remember he, I was back at home and he, he had a bottle of hard Beg and he said, oh, Angus, I was about 18 at the time, 19 maybe, and he said, oh, you'll want to try a bottle of Ard Beg, but just be warned, it's, you know, a wee bit, you know, it might taste a wee bit, you know, different to what you're used to. And I remember tasting it and almost, almost being sick <laughs> um, and I was... Ugh, uh, disgusting i was like it doesn't even he was like i'd had whiskey i would had like talisker that was a wee bit smoky and i was like that's fine i like that but like hard beg it just tasted completely different uh-huh. and i remember thinking this is gross horrible stuff it's gone off or something Ugh, i don't like that so that was just like probably your standard 10 year old hard what fast forward to when i mentioned my, my fiance and myself we, we visited isla and we were going around all the distilleries having a lovely lovely time and as you know um, there's like three distilleries in a row you get to um, and it's uh, Laphroaig, Lagavulin and then at the end it's Ardbeg and we we're kind of driving along doing that tour and we got to the end and I said in your mum's car were you driving? No 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 part? I had my own car by this <laughs> point and uh, and I was the designated driver and we got to the end and it was Ardbeg and I said ach Laura i I don't actually like Ardbeg because <laughs> yeah. 10 years ago I had an Ardbeg and I didn't like it. So I don't like it. But we went to this distillery and they were giving out samples and Laura was tasting it. And I said, do you like that? Is that all right? What's the taste? Oh, no, 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 this is nice. I really like it. It's really nice. Can we get a bottle? I said, okay. Because we've got a bottle everywhere else. So I thought, well, we'll get a bottle of Ardbeg. And uh, we bought a bottle of An-O, Uh, which is, you know, it's got a bit of sherry mm-hmm. in it. yeah. And I thought, well, I've got a bit of sherry, I might actually make it palatable here. <laughs> <laughs> that was my thinking at the time. Um, so actually, when we got home, it was the first bottle I opened. Because I thought, I want to try this. Do I actually like this? Do I not like it? Right. I don't know. And uh, it was finished within a couple of weeks or something. It really? was absolutely lovely stuff. I really, really liked it. Ardbeg, I know. Yeah, yeah. And it really set me off into liking kind of your heavily peated, ar- you know, whiskeys, your kind of mm. ar- bags or your what have yous. And I, I really, really, really enjoyed it. It was one of those whiskies that, like, you know, sometimes you want to leave a bottle and I just couldn't get my hands off it. It was yeah. absolutely lovely. So um, there you go. Ten, ten years makes all the difference. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. it's
2: a great dram. It's not it's too early for me, but I think that's brilliant that you could find a dram that worked for you in a peated style. My dram's quite a, quite a simple story this time. Um, my dram's um, Isle of Arran, 10-year-old. Okay. So... Uh, being from, from Irvine born and born, raised in Irvine, North Ayrshire um, my almost kind of mini holidays was my, my gran taking me in the, on the ferry from Adrosan to Isle of Arran to Brodick, and it's a, it's a memory I, I wish I had a wee bit more memory of it to be honest, I remember going over for the day, you'd get a fish supper, you'd play mini golf, go to the beach and I never associated at all at that time that we'd be drinking whiskey so it's one of those things that very grateful now that Lochranza distillery is ploughed on also we have lag now, but I think that Arran 10 is not only one of the best value whiskies in the market, but one of the most consistent, reliable um, it's a belter of a dram, it's super, super tasty Aye. and it's something again like the Balvenie 12, that I briefly mentioned before I'll always be happy with a bottle of Aran 10, always be happy with it, and so it's more that kind of family connection, that going to the island when I was a bit younger but associating I went over with, with an ex-girlfriend um, to, to the island and she got me for a gift a tour of the distillery and um, all the rest of it and it was a really special time such a beautiful yeah. part I don't know if you, you, you gentlemen time. have yeah, been just you go to Loughranza the hills round it the whiskey's brilliant the people are brilliant um, so Aaron 10 is my second dram.
0: Ah, there you go, there you go, and it's interesting, you know, that because uh, I'm quite similar in the, what 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 my dram will be is, and you're sipping it just now, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. Abs- uh, and I've, I'm sipping uh, my. I, I, they didn't have any bells left,
3: <laughs> 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 but
0: uh, my my one here is a Milton Duff Ten, um, and it's I, I've always quite enjoyed whiskey since I was you know, a little bit younger. I, I liked the dram. Um, you know nothing major, nothing mega, but again, similar to Angus and similar to, the, you know, your your journey in it, Ross, as well is that lockdown gave everybody a lot of time, and sometimes for myself, when you get stuck with a lot of time, um our, my family, as we kind of mentioned with the the Daft Mill side of things, has a big family connection with um, with whiskey, and I've always felt like I should, I need to. It's almost like a, a right to do it. Um, my grandfather was a director of Ballantines and. He had the, uh, the Maltings in Kirkcaldy, as I said. and At one point, my father was working for the, the Maltings as well. So he was, he was doing that. And I always heard stories that... And no-one thought about back then in the 80s or 70s, 80s. I mean, it was 1963, I think. Or, in fact, before then. It was, it was my great-grandfather that had it anyway. But point is, no-one at that time thought about documenting anything. No-one thought about putting anything down or anything like that. Well, all I knew at the start of lockdown was that the majority of the malt that was malted in Kirkcaldy, which was used Fife barley only, went up to Milton Duff. And it went into Milton Duff, and from then predominantly went into Ballantyne's. So I'm looking for this Milton Duff bottle of whiskey, not realising that Milton Duff very rarely, if ever, do their own bottling of, of the whiskey. But what I do find is that Gordon MacPhail do ten year old, mm. a 10-year-old bottling of Milton Duff and um, in the
2: discovery series, yeah. The, yeah,
0: discovery series, exactly right. And at the time in the in lockdown, most people, you know, if you could spent a lot of money, and most people probably spent far too much money on things like whiskey and things like that, but there was nothing else to do. And I spent a lot of money on bringing in, you know, getting whiskey sent to the house so I could try it. And I always tried to follow a trail of where the barley that we were malting went to. And I've since found out, it goes into lots and lots of different places: Aberlour for Aber, Aberlour, um, Aberfeldy. Uh, Loads and loads of different places, uh, uh, to, you know, just to name a few. But still, of all the whiskeys that I tried, for some reason, I just really, really loved that Milton Duff 10. And for a lot of people, they maybe turned their nose up a 10-year-old whiskey. It's just 10 or anything like that. But bloody hell, uh, it really does get me. Um, you know, it's just a nice whiskey. And, and as of today we've arrived at, at Diggers and you never know sometimes what's going to be on the shelf. And as soon yeah, as I saw yeah. the iconic, that Discovery Series bottle, anytime I see a Discovery Series bottle, the first thing I look for is the age statement. If it's 10, the next thing I'm looking for is where's it from? And if it's Milton Duff, I know that's a drama I'm having. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened this afternoon or this yeah. evening when we came here. So for me, that's that's exactly it. And I think that's that's one of the things that, that I've really enjoyed. They do, a, I think they... At one point, Ballantines actually brought out Shivas Brothers brought out a sort of Glenburgie and a Ballantines they did. Uh, and a, a Ballantines Glenburgie and a Milton Duff. I think it was a seventeen-year-old. So it
2: was seventeen-year-old. It's funny you mentioned them. <laughs> me, my dad, me, my dad, once shared over a Christmas a Ballantines Seventeen Milton Duff edition. There you go. Yeah. And so they've done a Scapa edition and a Milton Duff edition. They've done a Glenburgie single malt at fifteen, um, but Ballantines is my favourite blend, favourite blend yeah. of whiskey. Um, Maybe because, psychologically, I know it's full of Burgi and Milton Duff and Thor and really interesting. Fife grain as well. Fife grain. Well, if you that's go. that's it. Now you know that I know it's got cool. blood in it, I know uh, that a wee bit about it, you
0: know. Ah, uh, there you go. Right,
1: Angus. Yeah, I'll, I'll Give us your third and final dram. I'm going all sentimental. Good, my finally. All <laughs> I se- want to cry. All, all sentimental <laughs> and soppy. So, uh, third dram. I'll, I'll tell you the story first. So, um... We went to, about last year, this time last year, almost exactly, my partner and myself, went to an island in Greece called Skiros. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a friend that lives there. Uh, and we went, we were staying self-catering in an Airbnb, and we were taken to the supermarket on the island with its limited selection in anything that isn't bread or cheese, basically. Uh, <laughs> it, it, yes, well, that's the second point. So... Uh, bought a bottle of uh, the only Scotch whiskey they had a bottle of Johnny Walker Black Label um, so if you're on if you've ever been to Greece the spirits are frankly disgusting um, if, uh, unless you like kind of. sorry to our Greek so, fears yeah. so if you're listening to Greece Let's we apologise really dr- no one's really going to families they <laughs> don't really drink ouzo on skiros they drink a called chippero right. that is vile it's, it's kind of like anisee Oh, it's like paint stripper. It's disgusting. But I actually proposed to my... My, my girlfriend became my fiance on Greece. Oh, I proposed to I... her one evening. We went back to the Airbnb. I proposed to her. Got down on one knee um, for a very brief period. Uh, <laughs> she claims I didn't, but I did. Um, and... Um, uh, I proposed by saying, oh, I've got something for you, by the way, and I mightn't got a ring. And then afterwards, we just drank a load of Johnny Walker Black Label, and, because it was the only whiskey you could get there. And actually, it was delightful. It was really nice. It was nothing better than sitting uh, on a balcony, What look at, you know, uh, looking at the stars, drinking some, you know, Johnny Walker Black Label. It was perfectly acceptable, perfectly drinkable, but it's got I don't know. Whenever I've tried it since, it just takes me right back there, uh, oh and it's yeah, happy memories. And actually, you know, one of the favorite things I like to do with uh, Johnny Walker Black. I love making an old fashioned at home. Oh yeah. yeah. I love making an old fashioned. I find Johnny Walker Black Label goes really Perfect. well, really well in a uh, or double black actually. If you can, if, if if you get that as well, really well into an old fashioned. And sometimes, sometimes I don't want. Uh, uh, you know, a malt whiskey, you know, a, a neat whiskey, a neat whiskey. Do you just want to relax, I just, I and- just want, Aye. yeah, so uh, 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 at home, I'll, I'll occasionally make a, yeah. an old fashioned that it goes down an absolute treat, brilliant, well, I'll Fantastic. join that sentiment,
2: whenever I'm in the US and, you know, like the fiance's family, it's, it's whiskey and ice, whiskey ginger ale, I want to relax and enjoy myself and be good fun, see if I'm sitting there drinking a whiskey and giving them notes, I'm yeah. not going to talk to me. So, sort of <laughs> those things. But actually, my final whiskey has a very similar note to that. Uh, my final whiskey is Clindronic Allardyce. Oh. Um, the 18 year old. And it's something that I was given, again, by my father. Quite consistent in this yeah. podcast. Yeah. Father gave me a bottle of the, the 18 uh, one Christmas. and... I kind of held on to it, it was hard to get rid of, I was, I, I enjoyed drinking it, but mm. it was one of those things that I thought, listen, as soon as I finish this, I need to, that's a, it's going to be 120 quid out of pocket. Mm. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it was, it was an amazing kind of story, was that I went up to the Pentlands, um, and I had this wee bit of Allardyce left in my bottle, and talked to the Pentlands. It was a great day, I don't know why I'd done the Pentlands, it started raining when we got to the very, very top of it. Um, and there was nobody else there and there was an American girl there and I had this bottle of Allardyce so we got the wee bit of shelter um, and I offered it to this, this lassie mm-hmm. that was up the top of the hill with me and we shared a wee bit of Clendronic Allardyce and finished the bottle I actually went up I, think maybe even to, I can't remember but maybe even to take a photo of the empty bottle up there just that I'd finished it uh, and then anyway, we got talking to this this girl, um, and had this dice and said, Look, "Listen, if we make it to the bottom, that must be Dutch courage." So, to make it to the bottom, can I take you out for dinner?
0: Who said romance is dead? Eh? And, and
2: this girl that I gave Aldice to, who hates whiskey, by the way, I've now learned, is now my fiance. Brilliant. And so that was a wee bit of whiskey, adding on to that, and having that wee bit of effect. Because I draw calendar, it's a dram that I'll always like, a dram given to me by my father, but a dram that was also there at the first unofficial date of my now fiance. so it's quite a fun dram.
0: Well, to wrap this up very quickly, my, my final dram, as I've mentioned about the family connection, is uh, the Ballantines 30-year-old. And um, the, the, the story behind that for me is that at the time, my father uh, was working for 30, well, 33 or 34 years ago, my father was working for the family company, which is the the uh, the maltings in Kirkcudbright, which was predominantly used for Valentine's whiskey. And um, at the time, my dad was a wreck for buying the barley. And my dad met my mother through buying her father's barley off their farm in Cirrus and Fife, outside Cooper. So that's how my dad, mum, and dad met. Now, fast forward from the moment that they were married, which was nineteen eighty seven, I think it was. For the 30th wedding anniversary uh, we bought them a bottle of 30 year old ballantines because technically speaking the barley that had been used had been bought well had been grown on my mother's father's farm bought by my father and malted by his father amazing and we were able to make that connection and it was a very nice sort of personal note that very we were special, able to do man. it was yeah. very special and it was it was and as i say a a dram that we really really enjoyed yeah. as a family but also it was it was a, a really tasty. But that's quite
2: consistent for all of our whiskey stories today, is that family connections, who you're drinking it with has been has been massively consistent. In what, yeah, what all absolutely. of us have said,
0: and that's absolutely. what whiskey does. All about. But listen, lads, we've made it. Yeah, <laughs> we made it to the end of the fa- first podcast. Fa-
2: thank, thank you so much for having me on. Nah, really Ross, appreciate it. Great. You're nice welcome to see back on. again.
0: You're welcome back on because sometimes we get sick fed up each other Larry. <laughs> <laughs> right you've been listening to the Whiskey Stories podcast thank you so much for listening if you have listened please don't forget if you can like and you can subscribe to our channel that means that we can get more profile and the more profile we get the more and better guests we get so we don't have to put with Ross for the for <laughs> <laughs> sorry Ross you were the first guest I had to put it in there but thank you so much and thank you so much as well to the Athletic Arms Diggers in Edinburgh for hosting us this evening as well and uh, yeah let's go and get some more, some more pints and some more Thanks for lots of folks. Cheers.